You're listening to Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. On every episode, I talk to you about uplifting, empowering, and inspirational topics that can help you to stand up and fight those beasts in your life and to just live a life filled with much more happiness, strength, and courage. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or on SoundCloud so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. You can also find this directly on my website at ValerieSilvera.com. You are not alone. I am standing with you. Hello, friends. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about the super mom cape. Now, if you're wearing a cape and you're not a mom, or the relationship you have with somebody else is not that mom relationship, you can fill in the blanks. It could be a super dad cape, a super sister cape, or anything else. But I'm gonna go ahead and just call it the super mom cape and talk to you from that perspective, which is obviously my perspective. Having worn my super mom cape for the better part of 13 years, while my daughter was very lost in the belly of her addiction beast. Now, of course, when I first started wearing this cape, I had no idea what was going on. All I knew is that the smartest person that I knew, the most gifted, talented, incredible human being that I had in my world was crashing. Things were falling apart, and this was at about age 15 for my daughter. And so initially, of course, I think that, well, especially at 15 years old, we're still legally responsible for them. And so while we lose control a lot earlier on than people like to admit or to believe, we really do. And while I was losing control of her, I was still responsible for her. And of course, in the beginning, you just want to do anything you can to try to help and and guide. And, And teenagehood is not easy. So I did what any mom would do. And really tried to figure this thing out. But as the years wore on, it was pretty evident that I had little, well, let's just get real here. I had no control. And so eventually I just had to take off the cape. And for me, it really happened because I found myself standing in my kitchen one day telling my husband, Rich, I don't want to be here anymore. It's too hard. And I was never that kind of a person. I was not a depressed person. And to hear those words come out of my mouth scared the hell out of me. It really did. And I, I, yet at the same time, that's how I was feeling. I was feeling very much like a victim that life had handed me a life sentence. And this was it. These were my days. Unless my daughter became clean. And at this point, I had found out that she was addicted to heroin. And, and you know, saying the H word, as I call it, in the same sentence with my daughter's name was so hard to do. It was just, it, it, it was so hard to hear those words come out of my mouth. And so there I was just down on the mat with my beast on top of me, my codependent enabler beast. And I had this super mom cape wrapped around my neck so tight it practically strangled me. So this isn't just the normal stuff that moms do in order to support and be there for their kids. This had become an obsession. You know, unless I figured out, I figured out how to solve this problem, how to say that one thing, you know, that one little phrase or a scripture or some enlightening story that would finally cause 
Jamie, who, by the way, I also called Jordan in my first three books. Before her death, I chose to refer to her as Jordan just because I thought she might tell her own story one day. And so just, you know, trying desperately to guilt trip Jamie, to force her, to convince her, to, I mean, it was just so mind boggling. And if any of you are listening and have been through this or are going through this, I don't even need to explain to you how devastating, mind boggling, helpless, hopeless, and the list goes on that this is. It's just complete chaos. And the more you lose control, the more you try to control. You know what I mean? The more you try to hang on, that's what we do in any situation. When we feel out of control, that's the normal and natural instinct is for us to try to control even more. And so the more we can't control, even though we continue to attempt to control, the more we can't do this, the more you know, we kind of feel like a loser. At least I did. I felt as if I couldn't do anything right. You know, why couldn't I make something happen? I was a person who made stuff happen and I just couldn't do it anymore. And it was just devastating in so many different ways. I was drained emotionally, physically, mentally, and even spiritually trying to control this thing, trying to stop the train, you know, before it derailed and just trying desperately to save my daughter from herself and from her addiction beast. And so the thing about this supermom cape, when you wear it, especially in a situation like I did for 13 years, eventually this thing becomes a part of your body. And it, it, literally, like I said, it was as if it was going to strangle me if I didn't get it off. But here's the thing. I was scared, you know what, Liz, to take it off. Because what if? What if I took it off? You know, what if I took it off and things got worse? Jamie was shot in 2004, excuse me, 2004, at the age of 18 by her ex-boyfriend. And I really thought life could not get any worse for us. Certainly not for her and certainly not for me. I didn't live in a world where people shot each other. We didn't live anywhere near that kind of a world, uh, metaphorically or physically. And it was just, it was just so shocking for so many years to say those words that my daughter had been shot. And so I, you know, for me to, somehow get some kind of perspective on what was going on and realize that there was nothing I could do about this. It was hard. I didn't, I didn't want that to be the case. I didn't want that to be the truth. I wanted there to be some way that I could fix this thing. And you know what, to be truthful, I thought it was my responsibility. I was her mom. It didn't matter that she was, at the time she was shot, she was 18 and then she was 19 and 20 and 25 and 26 and 20, you know, all those years. It didn't matter how old she became, I still felt as if it was my responsibility as her mom. You know, I felt like I had let God down, that he must think I'm a horrible person because this has to be my fault. There had to be something that I did, something that caused this or something I didn't do, you know? So I would run over this stuff in my mind over and over and over and over, trying to figure it out. You know, like it would have mattered, like I could go back in the past and fix it. But I was convinced that somehow it was my fault I'd made some huge mistakes and I don't know if um, what was going on, but it's kind of funny now when I look back and I think, geez, you really gave yourself a lot of credit, Valerie. Do you really think you have that much control over another person? But back then I didn't understand what I understand now. I really did think it was my responsibility. And so 
it really took some doing. It, it took me standing in my kitchen that day, telling my husband I didn't want to be here anymore and realizing, I mean, it, it, it makes me emotional lots of times when I'm telling this story because to think what that must have felt like for Rich, to have me say I don't want to be here anymore and he's my husband and there's nothing he can do to make me feel better. He cannot remove the source of my pain. You know, it really saddens me to think about what that must have been like for him. And then really what got me up off the mat was my son. And I've told this story before and I'll tell you more in detail in another podcast. But I, I tell the story that I really got up off of the mat for my son, Sean, because I didn't think it was fair for him to be losing his only sibling and then also watch his mom self-destruct. By the way, if you're just tuning in and you have no idea who I am or where to find my resources, please go to ValerieSilvera.com and you can find all of my resources there or links to other resources. So, you know, for the sake of my son, Sean, I decided to get up off of that mat and somehow try to get a little bit better. And so it was through that process of me working through what I worked through and eventually developing the nine actions to battle your beast. And one of them is action number seven is to stop being a control freak. And that's where I talk about the super mom cape. You can find that in my book, Still Standing After All the Tears and the workbook under the same name. I talk about that supermom cape because it's really difficult for a mom to come to the realization that that cape is not the all-powerful tool that she thought it was. And literally, it's kind of the opposite after a while for a lot of us when that thing practically hangs you. And But coming to the realization, the powerful, um, devastating truth that I was powerless to save Jamie from her beast, to save her from herself, that was a... T- difficult pill to swallow, pardon the pun. I don't mean to say it like that, but it was a very difficult thing for me to come to the realization of that it was the truth. Because here's the thing. This is the thing I want you to get here. If you are in the same situation and you are the mom of a son or daughter living with an addiction beast and perhaps another family member or something similar that you can use um, this perspective and this concept with, I want you to really pay attention and get this. If you had the ability to save somebody from themselves, from their beast. You would have done it a long time ago. See, that's the conclusion I came to. I mean, listen, I I had to say to myself, Valerie, if you had the ability, you would have done it a long time ago. We wouldn't be having this, this chaos in our life. This wouldn't be what was going on. Jamie would have been saved a long time ago if you had the ability. And so, I mean, that's not what the reality that I wanted to face, but it was reality. And I was ready to face reality at the time that I stood up to fight. And so, you know, I took off that supermom cape and I tell a kind of a tongue-in-cheek maybe story in Still Standing After All the Tears, how when I took off that cape, I panicked at first. And it's really because that cape becomes a part of your body You know, even though you know you don't want to live in that chaos and drama and you know the cape's not helping and everything, it's still that what if. You know, what if I take this cape off and things get worse? Worse than she being shot in 2004. What if things get worse than all of the stuff we've been through? What if? What if the ultimate happens? What if I take the cape off and she dies because I wasn't there to save her? And I'm going to address that in a few minutes. I want you to stay tuned and stay in this podcast because I'm going to address that later on because as you know, that did happen. She did die, but stay tuned and I am going to share with you some perspective on that. 
So that's what we're going through with regard to removing this cape is the all of the what ifs. And you know, here's the thing you have to think about. I mean, if wearing this cape is truly helping and, and the person is, is better because of it, because of you wearing that cape, and I would say those are very rare instances, if that's the case, then fine, keep the cape on. But it, you know, you just really need to step back. I don't know your situation, but I'm encouraging you to step back and just you know, step out of your own stuff for a minute and look from the outside in and really think about whether or not it's helping, not just you, but is it really helping this other person? I mean, really, because lots of times when we're wearing these capes, we are preventing the other person from growing, from changing, from learning life's lessons, and sometimes feeling enough pain to change. I mean, let's face it, pain is often what encourages us to get up off our rear ends and move and make changes in our lives. And the more we keep saving another person, we are preventing them from doing that. And so we find these people that are in their 30s, 40s, even 50s later on, and they haven't had to learn any lessons because parents aren't allowing them to. They keep saving them. And so I know that's hard, and that's why I call it excruciatingly painful love. Taking off that cape, knowing what could happen, was painful. But here's the thing. Me taking off that cape had nothing to do with Jamie's choices. Well, maybe. I mean, maybe it had something to do with her choices because I stopped paying for, for all sorts of things that allowed her to stay in her addiction. I mean, gee, taking off that cape could have gone the other direction. I have no idea why she decided to stay in that world, why she didn't want to fight her beast harder. I don't really know, and I probably will never know. But I can tell you that because of the work that I've done and because I have a lot of wisdom about all of this and a great deal of perspective, I knew when she died that it was not my fault. I will be honest with you though and tell you that I am so human, just like the rest of you, and I did have moments, very brief, right after she died when I thought, well, maybe I should have chased her down because I hadn't seen my daughter in a year and a half. And it wasn't because I told her I didn't want to see her. It was because I told her this is what my world looks like and I want you in it. I believe in you. I love you as much today as the day you were born. Nothing will ever change that. And every time you choose life, I will stand with you. But when you're choosing death, I will no longer watch you die and I won't help you die. And the other thing was is that I don't want like people in my life that lie to me. So if you're going to lie, then don't contact me. Um, I also didn't want her calling me from random telephones. I didn't want all these people having my number in the world that she was living in. Remember, my daughter was already shot. And so a lot of the times what we think of, especially in this addiction world, we think of one thing happening. So for addiction, we think of overdose. But we forget there's a lot of danger in that world as well. And so I just didn't want to live in chaos and drama and fear. And so we, any communication we did have was very loving because that never changed for me. In fact, my communication with her was so much more loving when I withdrew, when I took off the cape because I forgave her and I just let it all go and I allowed her to walk out her journey, whatever that meant. And it doesn't mean that none of that was painful for me, but it was the only way that I could stay sane and, and, and I wouldn't be on this mission talking to you and helping you had I not done that, had I not taken those initially very painful steps. And so, although I had those moments after Jamie was murdered, I realized that it had nothing to do with me 
And in fact, my mom, especially, she felt really, uh, really a, a lot of concern that maybe she should have had Jamie with her. And all I could think of was, what if my mother was murdered too? So I just think we have to be able to quit thinking that everything's all about us. You know, and whether or not we do something or don't do something that we have control over the outcome. And I want to say this to you with a great deal of respect. You're not that powerful. And I had to say that to myself. You know, you're just not that powerful. You're not God. And, and we have free will in this world. You don't have the ability to control another person, period, no matter the circumstances. And so for you to think that whether or not you do something or don't do something, you're going to prevent something from happening, something that their choices, whether or not their brain has become diseased from drugs, whether you, you don't have that much power over their free will, you have no power over their free will. So we've really got to remove that. We've got to remove this guilt and responsibility that we are carrying around. It's heartbreaking and heart-wrenching and sad and all of that. But while that is true, you can move to the other side. You can because I've done it and so many other people are doing it too. I'm hearing from women every day that are making strides and even women who are incredibly doing great things and have stepped out on, on a mission of their own. It's just so heartwarming to think that they too once were wearing that supermom cape and it was practically strangling them. And now they're moving to a whole new place and they're doing it with love. They're not doing it out of anger. And that's what I used to do. When I used to threaten to take off that cape, it was all in anger and I thought my anger could make her change. And finally being able to use that F word, you know, forgiveness and move past all of that and remove that cape with respect for her journey. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, respect for a journey when she's living in an addiction world and, and obviously hanging around with drug dealers and all sorts of things, respectful. But listen, I don't know the bigger picture. I don't know how God was moving in her life and working in her life or using her to reach other people. We don't know that. And that's a whole other thing. And, and I talk about this in my latest book, Misery, You Don't Get My Company. I would love for you to get a copy of that because the perspectives that I introduce in that book are really, really interesting. And I think they're very powerful. And some of them, not a lot of people really think about. And I think it's something that could help you so much, no matter what you're going through. You can get all of my resources at ValerieSilvera.com, including my books and, and the sisterhood. Oh my gosh, I would love for you to join the sisterhood because that's where I'm really seeing amazing transformations taking place. But in any case, I hope that you will follow these podcasts and, I, and that they will enlighten you and inspire you. And I really hope they will empower you that something that I say, some little piece of wisdom, some perspective that you hear will give you the courage because that's really what it's all about. will give you the courage to do whatever it is you need to do to get your life back, to take that first step, to decide to stand up and fight and part of that journey might include removing your super mom cape or your super whatever cape. Because once again, if it's truly not helping you or anybody else, then what are you wearing it for? What are you doing? You're wearing it more like, I don't know if you, you think it's probably a safety net for somebody else, but I think in the end, it really becomes a safety net for us. 
The last point I really wanna make is that when you remove a cape, that is not saying that you love somebody any less. As a matter of fact, I would say that in a way it's an act of love to allow somebody else to walk out their journey, whatever that might be. Because often we're getting in the way of God even doing his work. You know, we're whispering in their ear and screaming in their face, just like the beast does to us. We're doing that to them. And so, you know, I think often God whispers and we do a lot of screaming and it really keeps them maybe from hearing the whisper. So we've just got to get out of other people's way and we have got to start focusing on the one beast that we have any chance of taking down and that is our own. And if we're so busy wearing that cape to save another person, we're not going to be able to save ourselves. And when we do save ourselves, we shine a light, we bring hope, we prove to other people that no matter what they're going through, that it is more than possible to stand up and fight, to stand over the top of a beast and to reclaim our lives. Could there be a better way to support another person than to give them some leadership, to show them, to demonstrate what courage looks like? That is part of what they're missing. They're missing the courage to battle their own beast. So take off that cape and start focusing on your own life and you have no idea who you might inspire along the way. This has been another uplifting episode of Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. Remember to visit ValerieSilvera.com slash podcast to subscribe via SoundCloud or iTunes. Have an awesome day. <music>